Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Money Monster, directed by Jodie Foster and released in 2016. The plot goes something like this. The host of a finance TV show is held hostage live on air. Yes, uh, so... I'm trying to remember what happened in this movie. Yes. You only watched it a few hours we ago. We did, but we've had a double feature. Um, This one is, well, I liked this one, actually. I did not expect to like it. I thought it would be like, and it was a touch, but I thought it would be like a bunch of rich movie stars trying to empathize with the normal humans of the world who don't who live <laughs> paycheck to paycheck and for whom $60,000 is a lot of money. And there was a touch of that. I thought I thought it was quite well handled and I, I liked it. I was rooting for... Clooney doing his Clooney thing. I was rooting for Julia Roberts as the boss, everyone's boss, and I was rooting for Jack O'Connell playing, you know, the everyman. I don't know. I didn't I, – maybe I was a bit too cynical of it, but I, I felt like it was kind of a mess as well um, as not really connecting with the characters. Mm. Like, I think it definitely got better as it went along, and by the end of the movie it was quite interesting and compelling. Mm. But at the beginning of the movie it was like – they were trying to put together too many puzzle pieces mm-hmm. and they didn't know how to introduce any of them in an organic way. Mm. Um, I felt like my attention was being pulled in like 10 different directions um, and that was really annoying for me. And also I did find it kind of hard to root for Jack O'Connell at all because every single time that anything that he would do anything that would make me remotely like sympathetic towards him, he would start just hitting people and shooting people mm. and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, but this is not a sympathetic guy. Yeah. And the um, angry white man with a gun is just, you know, it's kind of overdone in real life. So you kind of have, I at least have very little sympathy for angry white men with guns. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the, the, there's this, like, there's a lot of real life. There's been a lot of real life shootings and things. It makes it really hard to sympathize with the guy who's threatening to shoot a bunch of people. Um mm. And, like, I don't know, I just, there's lots of people who go through similar things who go about their protests and stuff in much better ways than this. And mm-hmm. he, it's, it was just awful, you know, he's not that sympathetic. Mm. Um, and I don't think that making George Clooney not that sympathetic either really does that much to help his cause. Mm. Yeah, I found it particularly hard, like, we're watching it on the morning after yet another mass shooting, mm-hmm. and it just... I don't know, it, it did take some time to kind of get around that because George Clooney and his really wealthy friends are awful, but they aren't threatening to shoot innocent people. No, also the groups of people who were watching around the, you know, country slash globe um, never had anything to, like, hook us into being interested in them either. Yeah, I, d- I got the idea of, like, this is what a movie star's view of what ordinary people are like. Did you think that? Because sort of like the three of them, Jodie Foster and, and and Julia Roberts and George Clooney now are just so famous that they only ever see people as like the audience. I don't know, maybe. I just think there's nothing – I mean, they didn't pay them enough to talk mm. and there wasn't anything that they did that made them interesting. Mm. It wasn't like there, – there wasn't anything – that. I mean, it just – I felt like the only person who was really interesting in the whole movie was Julia Roberts. Mm, she was um, good. But even then, I, I, it felt really uh, – I didn't know what the tone of the movie was supposed to be. Mm. And it felt really, like, fake and like it was, you know, it, it just it, – these sorts of things wouldn't happen if mm. something like this were to take place. Mm. This, the, they wouldn't keep the, the shooting. The streets and, and the – yeah. No, not just that. Even even before that, the way they keep shooting and the way they keep, like, 
mm. like you know giving in to all of his yeah, demands and all of that. We know they don't do that. We know they don't. And being so, in that situation. And so, like, even just to get over that hurdle is kind of a, a suspension of disbelief in a situation that is very common in America at the moment. So mm. it it did kind of make it really hard for me to get into in the beginning. Now, as the movie went on, I think they, they built up sympathy for different characters and they made it more interesting. And, mm. and uh, then there was a puzzle that we needed to try and work out and that was more interesting. I think uh, Katrina Balfour really kind of, um, came into her own at the end. Of, uh, yeah, towards I thought the end she of the movie. did really well. Um, her character as the 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 PR girl. Actually, they even call her that at one stage. She's the communication head of communications for this horrible company. Um, yeah, I thought she did really well, and I I liked her. I again, yeah, I st- as I went on in it, like obviously as the audience, as the poor schmoes who have no money and don't understand how the finance system works, we're obviously meant to sympathise with. Jack O'Connell, but I also sympathize with her because she also has like, you know, she dresses nicely and whatnot, but she has a normal job and, yeah. you know, had a pension fund that's gotten lost in the, the big share market Well, it's crash not just that. I think also kind of she, um, they, they, I mean, of all the characters, you know, um, she's this woman in this job and, and people don't treat her with respect mm. for because it's just a communications yep. job. Yep. Um, and, and she's just a girl like any other in a communications job and yep. she's clearly screwing the boss. And there's a lot of stuff where like, mm-hmm. so she has to kind of go out of her way to earn that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does that by, um, mm-hmm by trying to solve this puzzle. And she does more than I think pretty much anybody else in the movie to actually like further the main plot. <laughs> so I, I yeah. do think that she um, um, possibly is the most important character in the yeah. movie, but definitely is, is one of the more sympathetic, especially to a female audience. Mm-hmm. She's uh, especially to a working female audience. I think she's yeah. like that, that she's a really good example of a character like that, like mm. a girl who is uh, a woman who is trying to do her job and is disrespected for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I, I was really interested that. in that storyline. And when they lock her out of everything, that was really kind of cool. I liked that. Mm. Um, Relatable. I was a lot of the time more interested in her storyline and what was going on with mm, her than yeah. the main storyline. Well, that, that that's the thing is that's the interesting bit. The interesting part of this story is the bit where these enormous companies who move, basically do nothing but move money around, we don't understand what they do and there is nobody – out there who's the nobody there's nobody explaining it to us properly even their own people their own communications people are not allowed until there's an emergency to actually find out what the heck it is the company does and how it all works and where the money goes and how the algorithms work and all that kind of stuff um and that's that's the more fascinating bit and that's the more relevant bit and that's the bit that um that the role of of hollywood and of television right now particularly in, in a situation where we are in, in a situation where it's so unequal and the 1% has so much money and the rest of us have no idea and we sl- slave away at our jobs every week for a wage. Like, that's the important story is pe- what people like that are doing yeah. and how it all works. And, and Dominic West plays a suitably slimy kind of villain mm, and, yeah. um, and all of that sort of thing. I think the main storyline, the problem with it is, A, we've seen stuff like this so many times before. Um you know, like the sort of dog day afternoon type thing. Mm. Um, changing it to a different setting doesn't really make that much of a difference. No. Um, and I, yeah, I still couldn't figure out what the tone was supposed to be. Like a lot of this is really heavy drama, but it comes across as being like comedic. Mm. It comes yeah. across as being well, funny because of, it's because of Julia Roberts and George Clooney, who really only ever play themselves. Th- they both got this sort of 
baggage of being quite laid back in their performances and approach and um, and particularly George Clooney with his... I don't feel like that's necessarily true of Julia Roberts. George Clooney... Yeah, no, okay, you're probably right on Julia Roberts. I mean, Julia Roberts has done a lot of comedies, but she's also done a lot of roles where she's pushed herself and mm. and challenged herself more than I think George Clooney has. George Clooney basically does play himself a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and, I mean, they're, they're trying to use that to his advantage here, mm. but I, I just don't think that character works all that well. It's really hard to, like, get a read on him. Um, mm. And, you know, and, and there are things, there are also things like, Jack keeps protesting his intelligence mm. and he isn't intelligent. And it's like the movie is trying to tell us he is, but he isn't. He's an idiot. Mm. Right? Jack. I don't know what his character's name is. <laughs> Kyle. Ryan? Oh, there Kyle. We go. Um, it was a naughty kid name. Oh, God. I, I could not remember for the life of me just then. I was like, yeah, Jack. That makes sense. Mm. Um, he keeps saying he's so smart and he's not. No, he's he sunk all of his inheritance into one lot of shares. Because a guy on TV told him to. Yeah. And then he blames the guy on TV. He did no other research. He did no other, like, he didn't think, you know, maybe just hold that in a, in a, in a savings bond for a little while or, you know, just wait and see. No, no, he just, a man who earns $14 an hour came into some extra money and sunk it into shares. And like one one set of shares. One set of shares. And I, yes. And to be fair, I got an inheritance and I sunk it into this house. But that's very, very different from sinking it oh, into. Oh, yeah. That's significantly, significantly different. Significantly different to, to, um, sinking it all into a lot of shares because someone, one person on TV, he didn't, didn't consult anybody else, didn't do any other research, didn't go to a broker. Yeah, exactly. That, I like, mean, and nobody understands shares. That actually, there's another bit in this, in the story where, um, he asks all his viewers to buy shares in this company and to try and make the stock price go up. And like that was I'm such like, a weird note. Yeah, I'm like, but firstly, normal people don't buy shares, and most of the people watching this, like on a normal day, you'd have people who know how to buy shares, but most normal people don't know how to buy shares. Like, I don't know how to buy shares. I wouldn't know how to own shares. <laughs> I don't have enough money to buy shares right now. Like, God, no, I know, and and um, yeah, it is a really sort of it. It is that that was a weird note though. Yeah, that that scene, like like that, that was that kind of. Is it supposed to be all dramatic or is some of this supposed to be funny? And one mm. of the worst examples of that is when the girlfriend shows up. Oh, my God. And the girlfriend is just so insanely over the top that, like, you're kind of laughing at how crazy it is. Yeah. And she's just screaming at him about what an idiot he is. And because and, and we're all kind of like, yeah, he's an he idiot. He is an idiot. So, like, that note doesn't play I, I the actually, way that it seems no, to want but to. I liked that scene because that was one of those things where you're like, um, this is where you can see that you've got a woman director, women on your crew, because they they actually wrote a woman who would react like a normal woman would react to the guy. There was no pleading and begging or like trying to use feminine wiles as men think that we do. Like she actually felt like a real person having a real reaction to this real idiot of a man. I get that, but I, again, I just don't know what the tone like. The, w- w- is it supposed to be funny or is it supposed to be dramatic? Are we supposed mm. to feel sorry for Jack? Well, I was for Kyle because of that, or are we? Because I didn't feel sorry for him, and then they're all like, the, the, all of the notes were playing feel sorry for him, and I'm like, mm. but I don't. Well, I, what it caused me to be was really worried that everything was going to blow because at that point we don't know that the vest is fake. Well, I kind of thought that the vest was fake really early on, partly because you're like, well, how does this guy even, you know, I mean, know how to build a suicide, especially vest? since yeah. his girlfriend is like, you can't even like 
you know, use mm. a screwdriver at home, you're kind of yeah. like, well, that, yeah, but I that's, but she, that's at that point though. I know. We only, but she only even says that before that, that I had a suspicion that it might not be real. And mm. then when she said that, I was kind of like, oh, I don't think it's real. Mm. Um, and also it makes sense for us when, when we're trying, they're trying to get us to feel sorry for him that the suicide vest would not be real. Yeah. The, yeah. the reveal that it's not real came at a really weird time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they went, oh crap, we're nearly at the end of the movie. We've got to stick that in somewhere. Let's put it in mm-hmm. this scene. Yeah, it was the walking the- through the street scenes were too long mm-hmm. and way too long. Way too long, and 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 uh, Ron the intern getting sh- was it Ronald mm. the intern because that's the name of the one in um, yeah cabin in the woods. So I'm not sure if I got that right. I think that's um, the right name actually. Okay, Ron. but yeah, he uh, him getting shot was a, a very strange note as well. Like somebody had to get sh- hurt eventually. But that, in that way, at that moment, just felt like, oh, we have to do it now because we're going to get to yeah. the end, you know? Well, and Ron is yet another poor put-upon wage slave. Yeah, but- like... I, yeah, I know. That was funny because he spends the whole movie getting punished for having sex at the, yeah. and the erection drug at the but beginning the, Yeah, of it. but he's, the erection drug is, that's the kind of job he has to do for this show, like... Yeah, I know, I know. but, but, it was but still- also, but, you know, and he gets to be on TV, but he is, unlike his boss, he's not... You know, he's not wealthy and he's not like he doesn't have all that profile. And he is yet another person on an ordinary wage in this who's who's pulled into this, like the cameraman, Lenny. See, I think that could have paid off. I think that could have been really great. If this movie had sort of sorted out what it was doing, mm. could have been real it could have really worked to have this like funny character's been sent running all over the place and had the erection drug and all that sort of stuff mm. and then gets to the end of the movie and it could be this really huge dramatic moment when he gets shot. Yeah. But it isn't. It's foreshadowed all to hell. It is like it, it and it's another moment where like the they don't it's not a sudden mood shift. Mm. It's just like another strange note in a movie with a bunch of them rather than suddenly going from comedy to, oh, wow, this is serious because we already knew it was serious. Like, it just sort of doesn't play very well. Mm-hmm. I, and, and uh, you know, and Jack O'Connell actually does quite a good performance, mm. at least um, in the very least because all of his background acting is great. Mm. <laughs> like, whenever George Clooney was acting, you know, acting yeah. with serious acting on the camera, I would be watching Jack O'Connell in the background because all of his little reactions to things are really genuine and interesting oh, and funny. Good. Yeah. Um, he did a really good job of that stuff. That's, this is why he's taking off. This is why his career is taking off. Yeah. He's really good at that kind of stuff. Um, that yeah, counts. exactly. Uh, that, and that does, that, that was, that was where his kind of talent came in was, mm. it was not when he was like screaming every three seconds mm. because all he does is scream. It is a one note, like it, it is mm. such a one note performance. You know what I mean? Yeah. He spends the whole time just screaming. When are we ever supposed to, when, when do we ever get to feel sorry for him? Um, but all those little background moments were really great. He mm. has, and he has these really interesting kind of reactions to things, mm. um, which works better than a lot of the other stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And Julia Roberts does the same thing. Her reactions to things are interesting. Her reaction shots mm. are interesting. And I think that also points to a weakness in the script. <laughs> there was definitely some weakness in that script. Yeah, it was I don't think I don't feel like it was particularly well written. There's not a single quote from it that I can remember. No. But it feels like it's supposed to be like it it feels self-important. Yeah, the police as well. There was just the lines that st- some of those police were asked to deliver were just not they didn't ring true. They just sort of Poor like, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, they they just He yeah. looked so good in that uniform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he d- it just it felt like too big of a villain and you know like it was too too big of a well he wasn't like, really the villain it was no, that other guy but 
yeah, that, sorry, I'm thinking of the other guy. Um, but the, they were just too villainous. The yeah, lines, yeah. like they were too obvious. Like they they did not ring true for a policeman. The negotiator was the bad yeah. was was partic- a particularly yeah. bad role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I think a negotiator would have more, you know, sense when they negotiated. Right, exactly, and, and uh, made the There's- police look bad. There is this trend in negotiators, like especially in movies, to be really cocky. <laughs> They're often um, really and cocky an interest- in movies and, and like, TV. There's an interesting through line, I think, there in like the police being sort of untrustworthy and not quite, you know, not really not not knowing whose side they're on, and are they, you know, and are they just propping up these other institutions like Wall Street that are causing regular people to regular people's lives to get worse. And that's an, would have been an interesting through line. I'm not sure it actually meant to have that through line, but it did. I found it really upsetting to watch, like, when Jack, <laughs> when Kyle gets shot, this is never going to happen. I should just probably accept it and call him Jack. Um, when he gets shot at mm. the end of the movie, they then turn him over and handcuff him before they do, like. Yeah, that's not. That, and that never, was, I was ever like, happen. no, that's not right. No, well, it does did happen. That was exactly what happened in, um, um. Um, there was some oh, situation yes. where somebody got shot and Eric then was handcuffed, Ghana. and and yeah, and we died. Still, yep, um, yeah, you're right. So it, it does happen. Yeah, and that's why it was in there because these are like it's bringing in real things that happened, and but but it doesn't tend to happen to the white guy who actually did something wrong. Mm. Um, but also that no. was that was kind of no no white to guys watch. with guns are always mentally ill. Yeah, yeah. um, that was pretty upsetting to watch. I thought. Um, yeah. Uh, that was meant to be, but especially the as they, is, they can't shout that. that he can't breathe. Like the yeah, the, yeah, you so can't put that in a movie where, like, why would you put that? Especially since that's largely happening to um, black kids, and the only mm-hmm. sort of black person is the was the person who's heading <laughs> up the yeah, yeah. There's that problem, but also um, you can't put that in a movie that is is to- as tonally like all over the place as this one, because is is it supposed to be serious? I can't tell if a lot of this stuff is supposed to be serious or not. I was perfectly happy to accept it as serious. Yes, but, but that that was serious. But like twenty seconds earlier, people were cracking jokes. Just before he died, before mm. he died, there were jokes. Like people were laughing, mm. and then he was like, "Oh, don't you know? Take your finger off the trigger." And we all knew. I mean, there was yeah, only was one gonna... way this was going to end anyway. Yeah, there was no way of this ending happily for anybody. No, you, and when you, well, know, you know that, that... from the outset. Yeah. It makes it really hard. This is the problem with like heist hostage movies. I watched one the other day on Netflix, Spike Lee one, which it had some similar issues. Like you kind of, it's almost too preordained, and there's certain people who've got certain lines and things that have got to happen in a certain way, and you just kind of like go somewhere new with this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is it is just really hard to. I just found it really hard to like care. And that was a re- one of the reasons why Julia Roberts is more interesting because she could get caught up in it or she could not. And then by the end of the movie, she's just completely out of the action anyway. Mm. They should have brought her in on it. Yeah. They should have done a lot of things. Really, there, there should have been a lot of things happening in this movie that did not happen. I think that's part of the problem. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think Julia Roberts was an interesting character, like, I, I guess, as, you know, a director telling a story about a director kind of thing. People who are in the business telling people, telling stories about people who are in the business. Yeah, it and was so, really interesting. But in the end, in the final, in the final, when she she's should in have the, been in there. When she's in the OB unit. Hmm. She's outside again. But she's not even close. Like she's in no. a van driving there because that's all she's got. She's using the resources she has. I understand to- that, but it's a movie. <laughs> right. 
It's a movie. They don't have to stick with those. And we need the stakes to be higher than they are. And she's clearly like the best negotiator there. Right. Yeah. And we need the stakes to be higher than they are. We need her because she and George Clooney are together at the beginning and they don't come back together until the hospital mm. at the end of the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that pulls out, sucks out a lot of the narrative tension because the two people we're supposed to care about the most are George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Mm. So you have to have her in the action. You can't just have her in a van out, like talking to people. It, especially since she doesn't actually like, you know, and she cues up the video and stuff, but you have to, there has to be some stakes for her as well. Mm. It, 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 it pulls out a lot of that narrative tension to have her nowhere near them. Mm, that's true. Mm. It pulls out a lot of the narrative. I mean, a lot of those choices kind of, and, and then, <sighs> I don't know, they didn't establish that she felt any kind of a threat. Because she'd been she'd been removed from the threat because the bomb yeah. was the threat at the yeah and then there was we knew there was no bomb and also she's miles from it there is yeah, no there's nothing yeah and she never knows that it's not a bomb either until so yeah she had been in there anyway yeah. there's also a lot of bits where there's cameras everywhere where you know that they, they also, would have heard what was going on but everybody pretends shut they Katrina Balfour out of that last scene too yeah she walks out um, I know which also br- reduces those stakes. I don't know if it's supposed to be like if they were going for, oh, women are always imperiled, so we're not going to do that. But mm. when you have like the major characters, it, I mean, there's a reason that you have major characters in peril. It's yeah. Because it ups the stakes. When the only mm. people who are in peril are the bad guy, the idiot, and the other idiot. Mm. Yeah. It, it kind of like lowers the stakes a lot, especially when you know that Jack O'Connell's probably not going to kill George Clooney at this point. No. So, what have you got left? He might kill Dominic West. He might West. kill Who the cares? evil guy. Yeah. Like, where's, what are we hoping to happen here? Yeah. The, he gets exposed and then Jack yeah, O'Connell I dies actually, just like he knew he was going to. I actually think it's the women in peril thing because I think it's a bit like the girlfriend who reacts like a normal human instead of a woman who's written, written by a male screenwriter. I just I think, think it's, it's different that, when like everybody's a, in peril. Yeah. You know, I get what what you mean. I get yeah, what you're saying. No, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm just thinking that's where Jodie Foster is coming yes. from. I'm not yeah. But the thing the problem the right is a lot of the time only the women are in peril. Yeah. And the men come and, and this, save them. In this case that's not true at all. Exactly. So if if the women and the men are in peril, it's a lot more interesting. Mm. Right? Yeah. Now, basically it feels like the threat was completely gone by the big finale. And the only person who was threatened was Jack O'Connell, who we knew was gonna die. Mm. Just there, there are just a lot of, like, you know, plot problems in yeah. this movie that I couldn't get my head around. And I, I, I really wanted to engage with it because I think that there are some interesting ideas. Yeah. I also feel like this might have been one of those, like, scripts that people loved. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it got kind of chopped up or something and it didn't quite come to screen the way that it was intended or something. It yeah. Didn't... It did have some interesting big ideas in there, which right. I really appreciated. Because, um, yeah, I liked all that stuff. But I, but like I was saying and, before. And that was really interesting. Yeah, was that, genuinely that collapse of institutions, but also like the changing role of the media and all that kind of stuff was interesting. But I was never fully There's a bit explored. about vines that is like, you, you're like, yeah. yes, that would really happen. Yeah. Like it became a meme at the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, but like they, they never really explored the fact that like, no one's probably watching his show anymore anyway. Like, his well, show probably no. gets, like, 10,000 viewers. 
and like I don't think that's true. I think that 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 what well, he was clearly on a news network. Yeah, yeah. And they have constant like twenty four hour news networks. People just leave them on, and the the finance yeah. bit comes in, and then this bit comes in, and then yeah, that yeah, bit no. comes in. I get it, but so, there's no. They don't even discuss that this is like a different world, other than the bit about the vines and the memes that come up, which is quite well done. But they don't they don't really go into that like new media or old media stuff. I guess. I mean, there are a lot of people like you know. There are people filming stuff on their phones, and and they do try. Oh, and they do try. There's this bit where they go to a talk show, and the talk show hosts just aren't taking it seriously yeah. at all. That to me would not happen, because um, as much as like there is a light, I feel in TV, like that would happen a week later. Yeah, I don't think that would happen while it's happening. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because when people's lives are in peril, like. We're not complete monsters. Usually when there are lives in peril, people who are on TV behave professionally and they behave respectfully, usually. Yeah. Um, and maybe when, later. Then there'll be like the one person who says the wrong thing who then gets jumped on all over yeah. the place, which would have been a more interesting thing to Yeah, and they didn't, there, was, there was no consequence to that. It was just like that happened. And again, I wonder if that's not like big movie star perspective <laughs> of, of like – the, the people just go out and say whatever they want because from regular human perspective, especially regular humans who've got like probably just a regular wage-earning job on TV who say the wrong thing, it's a very different thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't like it when they say those things either. No, they, I mean, they often either, say, but say awful things. But I think the thing is that they see all of them as that way when it's it's yeah. one – which is maybe th- a week out of the hundreds that are there. Yeah. And then every week there's somebody to, you know, jump mm-hmm. on for saying the wrong thing. And, and I think that kind of, that, that that's interaction would yeah. be something interesting to explore, but the movie doesn't. But yeah. I do. Cause that's it. Well, that's an interaction where perspective gets lost when you go from being the uh, anonymous masses to being on the other side of it. Like yeah. when people who are quite famous have a very, have a different view of that. Um, I think also, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there is, right? It's, and it's interesting and like meaty stuff to look at, but it kind of gets swept up into plot contrivances. It's all interesting meaty stuff to look at and what ultimately I found to be a, quite a boring movie. Hmm, I, I was glad it was only an hour and a half long because it felt longer to me. It, yeah, um, I didn't get so bored in this one, but I, I got a little bored in the second movie we watched. But this one I... I didn't real I didn't get bored in it, but yeah, I did feel like it was. I I did look at my watch and think, oh, are we going to be late for the next one? <laughs> we and we weren't. We had heaps of time. Yeah, it mm. was it was just kind of choppy and and messy, and I think that's why I got bored because the movie's attention wasn't focused. They would. Uh, one of my biggest problems with it, honestly, was they a lot of the cuts to other action felt really unnatural, like. It felt like we were cutting away at a strange time and then we'd go to the people in Korea or South Africa mm. or we'd go to Katrina Balfour and then we'd come back and something important seems to have been missed. Um, mm. Even though something important wasn't missed, I felt that way there because was, there it, were some really weird times to change the action. Yeah, well, and it, those shifts were awkward as well because we actually had a lot of time before we knew what was going on with those. So we'd, yeah. I think we were introduced to like – the Icelanders and the and the Koreans and whatnot, like way way they too mattered. early, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you're just like, what? Why are we going to like it, that? Really didn't, yeah. It should have only been happened when we when we got there. And there are also just like shots of people in bars and stuff watching, and we don't know and where they no are. No relevance. No, like, is it down the road? Is it in another country? Is it like 
um, you know, and, and do these people know these people? Like why, you know, why, what's they going on watch here? this show? Yeah, d- and it seems like they're meant to be, you know, ordinary folk um, who are just having their lunch or whatever, but that's and then never, just we don't stay know at them. the place until the yeah, thing is over. Yeah, we don't know them. They don't have lines. We don't, there's no, what's the relevance of this to them? You know, are they ordinary folk who don't have a lot of money, but sometimes will buy shares, you know, like why, you know. Or is it everybody is, is swept up in this? Yeah, and the, I think there's the other problem is he actually is an idiot because he buys shares. Normal people don't buy shares, right? But most people who got caught up in this crisis, the financial crisis, were not idiots. They were buying houses or mm. pension funds, like, you know, like putting their money into their superannuation, as we would call it here, or pension fund, as they'd call it in the States, or trying to buy a house. Like, that's not stupid things. That's right. like That's like the things we're told to do. Things that are supposed to be sensible and safe, and they're not. So they're not idiots. They were just trying to get a foot in. You know, yeah. they, they, the people who were idiots were people who were trying to who told them that they could. People who to, who tried to tell people that everything would always go up and that they would all and it would be safe. It's always safe to buy a house or it's always safe to invest in your pension fund. And that they're not idiots, right? I like if I mean, like mo- most likely kind of person who would be playing that Jack O'Connell character, they I mean they might be a poor white working class person, but they're also quite likely to be like a middle aged black woman who was trying to buy her first home. Yeah, and but she's very unlikely to try and shoot up the No. That's yeah, you were right. She is unlikely to do such a thing. Well that's that's kind and, of the uh, point. Which is, is another like I feel like it should have been a middle aged dude, but then they may not have gotten the same yep. level of sympathy. And like a middle aged dude who lost his house and right. then lost his job and well, lost his family and has is, nothing again, left to lose and yeah, there is a really interesting story. But that's about, a story we've seen before yeah, too. And and there is an interesting story in America about the poor white working class, right? Um and but it wasn't that wasn't what was actually being told. Yes, I agree with all of those things. Um, mm. Also, I feel like the format of the show was so over the top. Oh, I would have. But you know that thing in Iron Man where they have that really crazy cable show of the guy who's like, buy, sell? Yeah. That's a real show. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, they're, mo- they're muddling it on that guy. Yeah. And you can totally imagine a middle-aged white guy uh, of George Clooney's with level of fame black. trying to twerk with his black dancers and yeah. Yeah, that and was. I I would have really liked to see them get lines. Yeah, and they didn't. Um, and that they were was really a bit good dances and stuff. But you know. But yeah, I yeah I get where you're coming from. Also, there's a guy in this movie who I recognise, and I'm not sure why. Oh, um, he has a show called Young Turks. Oh. And it's a YouTube show, I think. Right. And he was in this movie, so I think that was also because uh, you were talking about new media before. Mm, yeah. And that's where I was thinking about it. He's a he is a new media guy. He's mm-hmm. not like a, a um, TV kind of persona. It's something Sank or Chank or something, C-E-N-K. Oh, okay. Um, and he, um, as far as I know, is a YouTube show. Yeah. Um, so I think they were kind of embracing the new media as well as the established stuff. I, I do think it – I actually don't think it was about the established media so much. I think it was more about the current model of media and trying to get people's attention and mm. in short grabs and things and then something major happens and everybody is glued to it. Yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting, uh, without pushing the whole new media versus old media idea. Yeah, I think it, um, it was actually more interesting that way. Yeah. So I don't – I don't, and, and like the use of cell phones and stuff in this was quite realistic. 
Mm-hmm. It was like it was like a middle aged person who actually knows how people use cell phones rather than yeah. the people who have no idea because you know there's like he deleted all his emails. She checks his emails first on his cell phone before mm-hmm. going through the text messages. Yeah. Um. That they. they um, send each other photos and they, they do, you know, mm. people are watching this on their phones and things. Yeah. Um, and buying shares on their phones and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Buying shares on their phones. It's, it's much more kind of, I actually felt like the technology and the, the concept of how the world works now. Yeah. Was quite on point in this yep, one. Yep. Um, much more so than a lot of the other things we yeah, see. Yeah. And the interactivity of like moments. Cause, um, that's one of the things that sometimes gets talked about is that everybody doesn't watch the same TV anymore. Like yeah. everyone's not watching one thing as it happens, except that we actually do do that. We just don't, we don't all see it on our TV. You see it on your Twitter feed or on your Facebook or on. Right. Like, but on, if it's yeah. something like this, yeah. then people are going to tune yeah. into and it. And so, but yeah, that's right. You, and you see it and then you realize that's what you should be doing or you should follow, you follow a live blog somewhere or where there's a reporter who's covering it or yeah. Also, I totally didn't recognize Aaron Yu in this movie, but I saw him and I was like, oh, he's cute, which is also what I thought about Aaron Yu in other movies that I've seen him in. And then I was like, oh, my God, Aaron Yu got older. Yeah. Well, you know. He's the Korean. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I yeah, that guy. I looked him up afterwards as well. I was like, he's kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but I remember him playing all teenagers. Oh, right. And now suddenly he's an adult. <laughs> well, you know. I know. <laughs> happens to us older, all. But it just, he was in um, Suburbia with um, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, right, yeah. He played Shia LaBeouf's best friend in suburbia. Um, okay, do we want to wrap this up? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I probably liked it enough to push it from two and a half to three. So I'm going to give it three stars. Yeah, I'm only going to give it two and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, on Twitter at screen underscore queens, and on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>